This is Talking Asset Management with KPMG. In today's episode, we discuss the regulatory headwinds that are confronting alternative investment firms. Hello, and and thank you for listening to Talking Asset Management with KPMG. I'm John Bazzino. I'm a managing director in KPMG's alternative investment practice. And today, we're going to talk about the regulatory headwinds that are confronting alternative investment firms. Uh, Recently, actually, in conjunction with AMA, we completed a worldwide hedge fund survey and published a report accelerating out of the pandemic. And one of the matters that we examined at, at that time was the impact of the pending regulatory changes. Joining me today is Michael Mavridis, a senior partner in their alternative investment practice at the law firm Proskauer. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining us. You know, Michael, there's so many regulatory changes that are taking place in the asset management industry around the world. Uh, And unfortunately, we probably could spend hours talking about all of those. I thought today we would really talk about some of the recent SEC proposals uh, to the Private uh, Advisors Act. Uh, And they're quite extensive. And it was just curious uh, how game changing this is. For the industry, you're right. If 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 adopted, these uh, these proposed rules would be game game changers. So just to kind of get everybody on the same page, back in February, the SEC you know proposed uh, a bunch of uh, new rules and amendments under the Investment Advisors Act that would have a notable you know practical impact for private fund advisors, and in many cases, regardless of registration status. And if you had a home in on the crux of it, the proposed rules would include prohibitions or mandates uh, around practices that historically have been addressed through negotiations between advisors and their investors or through disclosure in the relevant fund documents. And several of these proposals Uh, represent a significant uh, deviation from that. And from the traditional model of the Advisors Act being a disclosure-based regime as to conflicts of interest, um, what's happening here is that they are looking to prescribe, you know, prohibit um, specific actions in lieu of, you know, analyzing whether the advisor's disclosure is good enough. So it kind of it kind of feels like they're legislating um, what they view to be um, unfair business practices. And what is the SEC really sort of aiming at here? What is it trying to accomplish in terms of protecting the investor? Um, and sort of what is what, what's at stake for the industry? Just as a quick overview, and we'll get into more detail later about the specific proposals. The rules would. Um, prohibit certain practices and activities outright. They would place conditions on preferential treatment given to investors. They would require the delivery of certain financial statements, including quarterly statements to, to investors. And they would require that all annual reviews um, be documented. The goal of all of that, right, is to enhance the regulation of private fund advisors um, and protect investors by increasing, 
in their view, you know, transparency, competition, efficiency in the industry, in the markets. It emphasized that a lot of these activities they were dealing with uh, are contrary to these goals and, and to the public interest. But at the same time, they acknowledge the importance that hedge funds and private funds in general play in the financial system and, you know, the broader economy and, um, you know, through pension plans, individual savings. They did pose a lot of interesting questions as well as additional proposals for comment and left a lot of questions open, which hopefully will be answered in some form or another. Maybe it's, maybe it would be good if we could just walk through some of the more significant proposals. I, I realize that it's very, very lengthy, but maybe you can choose the three or four specific ones that are causing a lot of dialogue now in the industry and, and, and sort of how the industry might be reacting to that. Yep. What arguments they might be making for or against it? Sure, ha- happy to. Let, let's 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 focus on the prohibited activities, the conditions on preferential treatment, which would impact side letters, and then this quarterly statement that I mentioned. Let's start with the prohibited activities. So, under the proposed rules, certain practices would now be prohibited. Um, so the, the, the proposed rules would prohibit charging certain fees and expenses, specifically, you know, accelerated monitoring fees and other fees for services that are not provided, probably more relevant in the private, fund, private equity fund context where you've got portfolio companies, fees and expenses associated with the examination or investigation of an advisor um, by any governmental or regulatory authority. Now, query whether, you know, an advisor currently does that. I don't think it's market practice to do that, but that option would be forestalled. And then, you know, prohibition on charging regulatory compliance fees uh, and expenses of the advisor and its related persons, which, again, seems obvious, but there could be gray areas where, for example, you know, the advisor needs to make a change to its compliance program as a result of a rule that now applies uh, to the fund it's managing and, you know, where it would make clear disclosure of that in the documents and the investors would be okay with that, that would be prohibited. There would be no exception, by the way, for first-time managers, startup managers, um, it would just be an outright prohibition. There'd be a, pro- a prohibition on uh, exculpating or indemnifying an advisor for a breach of fiduciary duty, willful misfeasance, bad faith, negligence, or recklessness. Negligence is the key there because, as you know, in, in most fund documents, the standard is gross negligence. Not sure the SEC ever agreed to that, and I don't think it operates under that model. But things like trade errors, you know, um, um, you know not reimbursing investors for trade errors, uh, because those are subject to a gross negligence standard, right? All of that now needs to be re-examined. Um, the rules would prohibit reducing general partner clawbacks by any taxes paid, right? Or hypothetical taxes paid. That might, for example, make a manager less willing to agree to a multi-year performance fee, 
where, you know, allocations were made each year during that period. And usually the GP pays tax on that. And then if there's a clawback at the end, it's usually net of the taxes paid. And then there would be, uh, a, you know, a ban on the, you know, the non-pro rata allocation of deal expenses among the private fund and other clients like co-investment vehicles participating in it. Again, that shouldn't be a big deviation, um, but there is a question as to what happens if, um, if one of the co-investment vehicles or other accounts doesn't participate, who ends up, you know, footing the bill for that? There would be a prohibition on any kind of borrowing or extension of credit from a fund. Uh, to to the to the advisor, which may impact certain traditional terms that are again more common in the private equity space. Um, Michael, I'm also I, I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah, uh, I know there's more you want to cover. But um, is there um, do you do you view it as a more of a disadvantage to say some of the emerging managers who are raising capital and and the fee structures that they can have with say. Uh, new investors or founder investors, things like that. Does it play at a disadvantage or is it sort of there, there's equal disadvantages across the industry? No, I, well, I do, I do think, and when we get to the preferential treatment in a second, it, it's really going to hit home. You know, there, there, there are new managers out there that um, strike deals with their investors to cover some or all of the manager's organizational costs right, for setting up the business, um, those kinds of arrangements appear to be um, on the table uh, or on the slab, I should say. But where it's really going to potentially impact capital formation um, or, 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 or capital raising, I should say, um, is where we get to these, is when we, you know, when we get to these preferential treatment rules which is actually a pretty good segue to dive, you know, you know, dive into it. So, you know, under the proposed rules, certain kinds of preferential treatment would be altogether banned. Um, so any preferential treatment relating to redemptions or providing enhanced disclosure regarding the portfolio would be prohibited uh, outrightly um, if the advisor reasonably expects the treatment to have a material negative impact on other investors in that fund or in a substantially similar pool of assets, which could include an SMA, feeder fund, parallel fund. Um, none of those terms is defined, right? So, you know, we're going to expect further guidance on that, I hope. Enhanced redemption rights, enhanced disclosure, um, would be prohibited under the new, re new regime, how that would impact seed arrangements and other kinds of anchor investments, uh, um, you know, investment arrangements, um, as well as ongoing investments from significant investors is all, you know, kind of left up there in the air uh, to see how the guidance pans out. Beyond those two areas, there would then be conditions on other kinds of preferential treatment. The preferential treatment would need to be disclosed to prospective investors before they cut the check, um, as well as disclosed annually to existing investors to the extent not previously disclosed. And there would need to be very specific disclosure 
in order to convey the importance of it. So you couldn't just say, for example, that we, um, we will provide an investor with lower fee terms in exchange for a significantly higher investor uh, investment. You'd, you'd have to provide a range um, and need to get into a little bit more detail than you otherwise would in order to satisfy the requirement. Now, the release did say that you can comply with this by providing copies of all of your side letters with identifying information regarding the investors redacted, or you could provide a written summary of the preferential terms um, so long as, you know, the summary specifically describes the prefer preferential treatment, you know, to prospective investors and, and your existing investors. Now, this practice of providing copies of side letters um, is more prevalent in the private equity space, particularly where, you know, you've got investors, you know, uh, you know where it's, it's usually based on the level of capital commitment. Um, in the hedge fund space, it's still relatively uncommon to do that. So that would, that, that would be a major change in how, you know, hedge funds practice and raise capital. As we look at all these things, everything that you said is, is fairly comprehensive changes to how the industry has operated in the past, certainly. Um, and the, qu the question I have would be sort of what should the industry be thinking about? How, to what extent should they be pre preparing currently? And, and what should they be doing? What should they be anticipating? How can they, how can they best prepare for this? Or is it too early in the process? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. And, and, you know, I was going to say that a lot of these terms, you know, are still yet to be defined if they're ever going to be fully defined. And there are other requirements like, you know, like delivering, uh, you know, quarterly state statement that includes a very specific breakdown of the fees and expenses that are being charged and a bunch of other proposals. So, this would be a sea change in terms of how hedge funds would, um, you know, conduct their business practices going, 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 going forward, and how they raise ca capital. The rule, the rules, or the or the release provided for a one year transition period, but there was no specific grandfathering clause, meaning that um, it is un clear unless the sec makes it clear um it, it it may very well be the case that 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 these new rules will apply to existing arrangements and if that is the case that is going to require a comprehensive review of all of your existing documents including side letters existing practices and uh you know potential potentially major changes in those arrangements or to those arrangements, as well as to your practices going forward. So is it too early? I think a lot of this stuff was stunning and we're still within the comment period, which ends in early April. Um, we are expecting, you know, significant comment and we are working on comment letters, um, you know, for others. Um, we are expecting for, you know, for these points to be debated battled, fleshed out, um, you'd hope that the SEC would be sympathetic to significant investor and industry concerns and that the proposed rules would be diluted, you know, to some degree. But assuming they move forward, uh, we don't know when they would be adopted. Uh, we have midterm elections coming up. 
a lot of uncertainty in in the in the paths ahead in the in the in the months ahead certainly um we'll see how the industry responds in terms of their comment letters obviously the SEC will have to react to that there'll be probably a lot of dialogue between many um and um we'll we'll stay tuned but uh Michael thank you for your comments we really appreciate it um gave us a good overview of what to expect um uh, and to our audience thank you for listening We hope this discussion provoked uh good thought, good insight, and we want to continue to hear from you. So if you have any questions uh about this or other topics in our series, please reach out to me or Michael. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Asset Management with KPMG. Be sure to subscribe to this series and visit read.kpmg.us forward slash talking dash asset dash management for more information.